This week, teachers in Oakland went on strike, and in a show of solidarity, their students walked the picket line alongside their teachers. Presidential candidate and former DA of Oakland, Kamala Harris, says she stands with the teachers, but is going to have to arrest the parents of the students for truancy. Bernie Sanders is running for president. He raised $6 million in just one day. $6 million, or as Jeff Bezos calls it, chump change. (laughs) Donald Trump had harsh words for supporters of President Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela this week, saying, you will lose everything, quoting his favorite fascist leader, Lord Voldemort. Dutch historian Rutger Bregman leaked footage of an unaired interview he did with Tucker Carlson this week where he called Carlson, quote, a millionaire funded by billionaires and not part of the solution, but part of the problem. Awesome. Now do Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Billionaire Richard Branson organized a concert on the Colombian border of Venezuela this week ahead of the United States' imminent invasion. He's calling it Fire Fest and Fury, the likes of which the world has never seen. John Shrek. What is this podcast? Great question. I don't know. All I know is that there's a severe lack of perspective in the media, primarily from straight white male comedians. And uh, I'm trying to provide that, you know, not enough comics doing podcasts that nobody's going to listen to. And I figured I would add to that a little bit. So here, here we are. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the politics and by I'm into politics. I mean, I scroll through Twitter for way too much of my day, and I watch political commentators on YouTube, primarily progressive, uh, and nobody else, actually. (laughs) I fill my mind with things I believe in, and I don't bother to listen to the other side. That's the beauty of uh, the social media environment of today. You know, if uh, you have an old friend from grade school that you are sick of seeing their opinions, you can just hit block and you never have to see that person ever again. It's nice. It's nice to live in a little bubble, uh, to not look outside of that. But um, my main main creative outlet with anything political has just been Facebook, which is an absolute cesspool. There's no, I mean, there's no reason to post anything on Facebook. And I understand the irony of that if you are listening to this on Facebook right now, because I'm sure I'll post it there, because why not? I mean, I might as well use the outlets that I have. But uh, I feel like just slowly, maybe not even slowly, just progressively over the last 10, 12 years of uh, just being inundated with Facebook, just day in, day out, that's the only outlet that my brain even thinks about. I'm, I'm at a party. I'm, I'm not at a party. I don't go to parties, guys. I'm not that cool. 
I'm out and about and I see something or I hear something or I think of something, I'm listening to the radio and I have an opinion about something, the only that my mind immediately goes to Facebook and I, uh, I'm trying to get away from that. I think a lot of us are that way and it's unhealthy and it's not conducive to uh, a good creative perspective. I was an English major, so I have all the best words. I'm great at talking, great at thinking. Uh, I do think I have some form of uh, dyslexia where it's just, I always think of words in my head and I can't think of what that word is. It's right there. It's right on the cusp and I can't think of it. Uh, cusp was one that I could think of immediately somehow, but, and it's not always a difficult word. You know, sometimes it's sandwich. What, what is that? What is the thing that you get from McDonald's? That's not narrowing it down whatsoever. Uh, anyways, like Facebook, Twitter, all that bullshit. Like it's 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 destroying my brain. It's destroying our social interactions with people. It's not it's not good. A lot of people are getting off of there. I can't seem to do it. It's it's clearly some form of addiction. I've not I've not had any uh, problems with addiction, but you know, I, there's most days that I wake up and I feel like ah don't talk to me until I've had seven hours of my Twitter scroll. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't bug me. I got, I got some things to get outraged about and then retweet uh, and tweet about and have nobody respond to. That's the thing about Twitter too. You're just throwing shit out into the void. No one sees it. No one reacts to it. So what the, what, what are we even doing? You know, at least with the podcast, I can say, I can point to it and I say, Hey, there's something that I did. The only thing, the only purpose at my Twitter feed is serving is to prevent me from getting another job in the future. <laughs> That's really what it exists to do, you know. The other bad thing about social media is that you you know, there there's some people on your feeds generally or at least me, there's somebody that follows me and I follow them or I've or I've hidden them for being completely honest. But people who always comment on you the stuff that you post that's about politics or about something that they disagree with and that's the only time they interact. And then I end up catering my so my political shit to them to either annoy them or uh, I post it and then I'm afraid I'm afraid to get that notification that says that they responded uh, so what I did this week is that I just unfriended all of those people I blocked them I, you don't you don't need that in your life you know that's another thing that Facebook has kind of ruined uh, fond memories of your childhood friends you know what I mean like uh, and also if I spend a bunch of time writing writing something and your reply is a link to a video that you didn't make. Like, I think that I think the dialogue's over. I think we can uh, we can move on. We can we don't need to be in each other's lives. It's fine. You know, we can have the memories, and that can be it. <laughs> you know, we haven't we haven't been friends for twenty five years. What are we doing here? What is Facebook? What is the point of this shit? Uh, you know, same same goes with some family members. You know, family member of mine he unfriended me. The right move. I was annoyed at first and I was like, you know what? Respect. I respect that shit, you know, because he he wants to he wants to hold on to those memories. He's like, yeah, this is not it's not constructive. Is any of this useful? Does anybody care? I think that's what the podcast is going to be called. Does anybody care? I, frankly, I think every comedian's podcast should be called that. <laughs> I can't wait to post this on Facebook. So let me start like this because it's on my mind because I've been thinking about it because my friend texted me about an hour ago. Bernie Sanders announced that he was officially running for president this morning. So that's been in the news and obviously a lot of stuff about the uh, candidates in general. And he texted me this evening. He said, do you like Kamala? As in Kamala Harris. Uh, he says, I just want a moderate choice. 
Can't go as far left as you, but I do want Trump out. I got that text as I was leaving my day job and I was sitting in traffic thinking about it. And I, I, I'm trying to think of how to respond just because I don't know what anybody means when they say moderate. It's a word that's thrown around a lot, but it doesn't mean anything because we've had right-wing leaders for the past 40 years. So I don't know what moderate means. I'd say moderate is someone who's slightly to the left of Barack Obama. And I've heard people, uh, this friend included, who say that they just they, they want to return to a more, uh, you know, there's two, there's two people far to the left and far to the right. And I, I think I just I don't that's not true. Bernie Sanders and then a few more recent congressional victors uh, in 2018, I'd, I'd consider more to the left. But uh, beyond that, I mean, I think most people are right wing. There are some people more to the center. And uh, but that's it. So I don't really know what moderate is. I mean, moderate. Moderate to me is like, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't have an example. I mean, is somebody in the Democratic, probably most people in the Democratic, no, no. Nobody in the Democratic Party, because they're, they're, right, they're right wing. A lot of them I would consider right wing. They like to stand firm on certain select social issues, but when it comes to war or breaking up the big banks or giving us health care, they're not liberals, let alone socialists. I mean, if you're watching cable news or listening to establishment uh, radio. Again, I don't know because I'm so disconnected from that. I, I stay away from the cable news because I think it's full of, uh, full of shit because it's, it's funded by the biggest companies in the world. It's funded by war profiteers. It's, it's funded by people who profit off of people dying from not having proper health care or dying because uh, they were taking a, a pill that they didn't actually need. Uh, and they got hooked on them, and then uh, they got a prescription for them, and now you know they're addicted to opiates. Do I like Kamala? I mean, you know what? I, I let me let me start positive. I, I loved Kamala as she was grilling Brett Kavanaugh. I thought she was uh, perfectly suited to that, and I think that's what she should continue to do. I think uh, if she, you know, she says that she's a progressive, I don't believe her, but. You know, I'll, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. You know, her Twitter game's been pretty strong in the past couple weeks, coming out for everything that uh, that uh, Bernie Sanders popularized over the past couple of years and helped get people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and uh, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, and uh, to uh, to another extent, Ro Khanna, who, who's been around a little bit longer. But so she's she's uh, she seems to be in lockstep with some of the more lefties now uh, on her Twitter page. That is, uh, yeah, but like I said, I, I don't think I, I don't think I buy it. I don't think I don't think you can spend that much time as an authoritarian uh, district attorney opting to to not do prison reform because it would affect prison labor. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty far right. As as much as you you know, you can argue all you want how far away maybe she was from that specific thing. I'm sure as a DA, you got a lot going on. You got a lot of things to do. But I'd say prison reform must be near the top. I mean, for God's sake. Uh, so for your office to come out and say, yeah, no, we can't uh, we can't do reforms because we're getting uh, indentured servitude out of these nonviolent offenders. <laughs> you know, they're putting out our wildfires for, uh, you know, nickels on the dime. Is that... <laughs> Is that what the phrase is? I don't know what the phrase is. I'm not a smart person. I just think I am. My voice is valid. And everybody's voice is valid, except for people who disagree with me. They can shut up and sit down. So anyways, Kamala, 
listen, she's great as a cop. I mean, we saw that with Brett Kavanaugh. That's that was what I thought the whole time. I was like, all right, she is auditioning to be the next president. Um, I think she should be auditioning to be attorney general. Put her in that position under someone who's actually to the left, who can tell her to do some progressive shit, and she'll be like, yes, let's go. And then she'll take him to task, because at this point we've gotten rid of money in politics, and she can't just work on behalf of the corporations. And yes, I know, she's not taking corporate PAC money. Bullshit. Her top donors are still people who work at the top of Time Warner. So I guess that's what I'll te- I'll text them all that. Should I just transcribe the, the shit I just babbled on about? for the past seven minutes, and uh, just in text form. Maybe I'll just send him the audio file. Like, listen. So Bernie Sanders announced his run for presidency this morning. He did this interview with CBS News. CBS This Morning. I don't know who this guy is that he's talking to. Um, it's It's a pretty fair interview, considering the way that Bernie was treated in the primaries three years ago, four years ago. Wow, that is four years ago. Time flies when Trump is president. Holy shit. CNN announced today that they were going to be doing a town hall with Bernie, which is pretty cool, pretty big. I'm sure they're going to pull, they're going to pull the low balls, but you know what? Fine. Let's get them out of the way now so people can uh, shut the hell up because they've, t- they've been yammering, yammering on about this stuff for months. Uh, but now he's really running. He, he can attack it head on and say, hey, shut up. You're, you're full of shit. This is not a real argument. This is rich people telling their mouthpieces in the media to parrot this, and then people watch it on TV, and they say, hey, you know what, that sounds kind of reasonable. I know that I'm not a million, I don't make tens of thousands of dollars a day, but they make a, they make a great point. You know, I, I make, I make $45,000 a year, hard-earned, hard but you know, one day I might be a millionaire, and uh, Medicare for all, not, not affordable, can't do it. So, Senator Sanders, you're going to run for president. I am going to run for president, that's correct. What's going to be different this time? We're going to win. We are going to also launch what I think is unprecedented uh, in modern American history, and that is a grassroots movement, John, to lay the groundwork for transforming the economic and political life of this country. That's what's different. And that's your theory, which is that without the groundswell, without the grassroots, you can't change the politics. That's exactly right. Look, John, somebody can come before you and say, look, I want to do A and I want to do B, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, The only way that real change takes place is when millions of people stand up, fight back, and say, enough is enough. We're going to have a government that works for all of us, not just the few. I like this question whether or not it was fed to him by the campaign. I have to imagine it was, but hey, you know what? Maybe maybe give him or his writers some credit for asking. This is a a really solid question that I'm glad that that they put on. Because this is the difference between him and literally all of the other candidates other than Tulsi Gabbard, I'd say. Maybe Elizabeth Warren as well. But these people take money. They take money from corporations. Up until a couple months ago when they announced, not even a couple months ago, the past few weeks, Cory Booker and uh, Kamala Harris and you know Amy Klobuchar. Now, the, 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 this, can't, this campaign, we're not accepting corporate donations. All of our, our, our previous campaigns, we accepted all the corporate donations, but uh, this, this one's different. So while I do give them credit for keeping up with the times and seeing that it's popular to have a campaign that's not funded by corporations, that's what people want, I absolutely give them credit for that. Um, but time will tell whether 
they're being disingenuous or not, whether they're just trying to hop on a trend or whether they they legitimately want to move this country away from the corporatocracy that it's become run by a select few oligarchs who have all the money, who get to dictate the tone and narrative of the country, who get to lobby endlessly to our politicians. So we'll see. So I'm glad that he asked this question about support from the grassroots because that that's the one thing that Bernie Sanders has that none of the other candidates have. No candidate has the grassroots support that Bernie Sanders has, and that's being proven today. The last that I saw, I'm on Bernie's Twitter page. So as of three hours ago, according to Bernie Sanders' Twitter page, more than 100,000 people have donated to our campaign since we launched this morning. Brothers and sisters, if we stand together, there's no limit to what we can accomplish. Join the movement which is what is on my website. <laughs> uh, if you want to join a real movement, go to shrekjohn.com. Actually, it's not that. Don't go to that website. That is a very different website. Uh, no, go to johnshrek.com and join the movement. Sign up for my newsletter. I've not sent out any emails yet because nobody has signed up. I know I know. at, at hour like three after he announced this morning, they were reporting that they had already made a million dollars in campaign donations individual campaign donations they made a million dollars so it's i mean i have to imagine it's higher than that now you know i made a donation this morning as i was laying in bed i was very excited lump in my throat tears streaming from my face it uh really just hit me right in the right in the right in the dumb lib cuck heart and uh you know i got a little watery eyed but i mean a million a million dollars three year three hours in that's what grassroots support looks like it looks like a million dollars in three hours but bottom line for me is I think uh, it is absolutely imperative that Donald Trump uh, be defeated because I think it is unacceptable and un-American, to be frank with you, that we have a president who is a pathological liar, and it gives me no pleasure to say that, but it's true. We have a president who is a racist, who is a sexist, who is a xenophobe, who is doing what no president in our lifetimes has come close to doing, and that is trying to divide us up. I love how hard he comes out against Trump here. He calls him a pathological liar, calls him a racist, calls him a sexist, calls him xenophobic, which is a word that I'm sure most of his base doesn't know. Is that a Dungeons and Dragons character? But all of your opponents will say, we've got to get Donald Trump out of the White House. That's not your distinguishing characteristic, so... That is not my distinguishing characteristic. I think what... I am very proud of, and in, in a sense, this campaign, John, is a continuation of what we did in 2016. You will recall, you may recall, that in 2016, many of the ideas that I talked about, Medicare for all, raising the minimum wage uh, to $15 an hour, uh, making public colleges and universities tuition-free, all of those ideas, people say, oh, Bernie, they're so radical, they are extremely American people just won't accept those ideas. Well, you know what's happened in over three years? All of those ideas and many more are now part of the political mainstream. So you're saying the party came your way? Well, I don't want to say that. I think most people would say that. Is that your argument then against your competitors, which is, I was Medicare for all before Medicare for all was cool? <laughs> I guess that's one way of looking at it, but it's, no. I know many of the people, certainly the senators who are running, and Without exception, I am fond of them. They are, in some cases, my friends. Let me ask you on your Medicare for All. You uh, have talked about the fact that polls show 70% are in favor of Medicare for All. 
but that number drops to 37 if somebody hears private insurance is going to go away, which is what your which is what your plan offers. So I guess my question is, you're offering something that the polling shows people can get very spooked very quickly about. No, well, but that's because we're going to be taking on the insurance companies and the drug companies who are going to spend a whole lot of money distorting what we believe in. The bottom line is, the average middle class family will save money, will spend less money on healthcare, will have more choice and have broader coverage than is currently the case. The other challenge to your healthcare plan will be cost. People will say, my goodness, there's no way this is, everybody's gonna get covered, and they're, well, John, you, you this know has, some of the estimates that come out. No, I need you, know, you in the media to help us dollars. explain the truth. Yeah. No more out-of-pocket expenses. No more deductibles. The cost of prescription drugs is going to go down. We expand the kinds of coverage available for senior citizens. It's a good deal. I love how he responds here because he says people are only going to get spooked off of Medicare for All because they're going to get propagandized by the insurance companies and by the drug companies who are going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that Medicare for All doesn't happen and make up fake things to have a reservation about. Why would you have the best healthcare system possible as evidenced by the fact that every country except for ours has it? Why would you want that when you could have this shitty healthcare that we've labeled as diamond platinum healthcare? So it sounds like it's good for you, but actually we just deny you care when you need it the most, even though you pay $1,000 every month. So he says, we're taking on, the, we're taking on Big Pharma. We're taking on the drug companies. So, of course, they're going to spread disinformation. But what I need, John Dickerson, is for you and your friends in the media to help me to not propagandize people, to tell them the truth about healthcare, to stop running ads by big pharma and from drug companies and from insurance companies. Stop running those ads if it means that you can't speak truthfully about the true nature of those organizations, about how they are hurting the American people. I need you, media, to help me because you're supposed to be truth tellers. So help me tell the truth to the American people, which is that these companies are destroying our country. Howard Schultz has now said he would not run as an independent if the Democrats moderate, uh, nominate oh, a moderate. Oh, isn't that nice? Why is Howard Schultz on every television station in this country? Why are you quoting Howard Schultz? Because he's a billionaire, all right? There are a lot of people I know personally who work hard for a living and make forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, who know a lot more about politics than in all due respect does Mr. Schultz. But because we have a corrupt political system, anybody who is a billionaire who can throw a lot of TV ads on television suddenly becomes very, very credible. So what Mr. Schultz, what is he blackmailing the Democratic Party? If you don't nominate Bernie Sanders, he's not gonna run. Well, I don't think we should succumb to that kind of blackmail. This, I, I've, I've heard this clip, I think, three, this might be the fourth time I'm listening to it. And it makes me laugh every single time. It's like, how the, the CEO of Starbucks, a multi-billionaire, I think, I don't know, he's at least a billionaire, right? One of the richest people in the history of human existence says that if the Democratic Party doesn't run a centrist, well then... I'm just going to have to run. (laughs) Isn't that nice? Uh, Some random frappuccino swilling, white, flat, selling piece of shit. He's going to tell us how we run our campaign. It's not enough for him to be a billionaire, to put his brand on every every building across the, the world. That's not enough. He's going to tell us the way that our healthcare system is going to work. This billionaire, he, this benevolent billionaire, he's going to save us from Trump. 
I get so I guess he's against Trump. I, I I haven't even thought about that. He's just running against whoever is on the left. So uh, the condescending question gets a condescending response. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that fucking nice? Good good for Howard Schultz, but he's an idiot. That's what Bernie said. The other reason is that he represents an argument that some people make, which is if you're worried about Donald Trump, the Democratic Party to win voters in various parts of the country needs to pick somebody who is not so radical. That's also what his theory. Well, I think his deeper theory is, hey, I'm a billionaire. Leave me alone. And uh, let me make as much money as I can without paying my fair share of taxes. He's a billionaire. He's thinking of running for president. Something's a very famous guy. That's. That is a problem with our political system. I love this response, too, because my, my initial response is, oh, people in the Midwest, they need a more moderate. I, I live in the goddamn Midwest. I don't want a moderate. I think that's, I think that's a phrase that, that holds no water. It means nothing because our government has been so far to the right for so long that there's, there's no, there are no leftists. Barack Obama was not a leftist. Bill, Bill, Bill Cheney, <laughs> Bill Clinton, not a leftist. But Bernie doesn't even, he doesn't even bother. He doesn't even bother with that argument. And good on him because his response is so much better because he says, he says, I, I, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the voters. He's pretending what he's really concerned about is that his indescribable wealth that he did not earn because nobody can earn that much money without profiting off the backs of tens of thousands of people. I don't know what Starbucks pays. I'm sure it pays all right for what it is, but it doesn't pay enough for what it is. And there's people who are on food stamps that work for Starbucks because they don't pay a living wage because most companies like Starbucks don't pay a living wage. And that's how people like Howard Schultz get to be billionaires. So they're not, they're not self-made. They don't, they didn't earn that. They don't work harder than the barista who made your Frappuccino. He definitely doesn't work harder than that person. So why does he have a billion dollars? So Elliot Abrams went in front of Congress last week, and he got grilled by Ilhan Omar, and he gets a little bit upset, and it's beautiful. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna play the clip, and then I'm gonna do a little bit of commentary. Mr. Adams, in 1991, you pleaded guilty to two counts of withholding information from Congress regarding your involvement in the Iran Cortra affair, for which you were later pardoned by President George H.W. Bush. I fail to understand uh, why members of this committee or the American people should find any testimony that you give. Uh, today to be truthful. If I could respond to that. Uh, um, it wasn't a question. I, I On that was it not, that was not a question. That was, the, I, I reserve the right I'm to sorry. my time. It is not, it is not right. That was Remember not a question. Can attack On February 8th. Who is not permitted to reply. That, that was not a question. Thank you for your participation. <laughs> Thank you for your participation, you white literal devil, you war criminal sack of garbage. I lo- I I love so much about this entire clip, but that first interaction is so perfect because he just comes out of the gate gaslighting. He's gaslighting right away because all she does here is she states a fact 
And that fact being that he has been convicted of lying to Congress in the past uh, as a way to, you know, remind everybody in the room, everybody in the country, everybody watching this YouTube clip, everybody listening to this podcast, wink, that this man is a convict. This man is a war criminal. He lied to Congress. He was convicted for lying to Congress. And the only reason he has a job right now, this job, and not in some country club white guy prison for the rest of his life, uh, because his partner in war crime, George H.W. Bush, became president and then washed his hands of the entire situation. He pardoned him. So now not only is he not in prison for life for committing genocide, but he gets to be in a position where he gets to try to commit genocide again. So Representative Omar is taking him to task right away. She says, you know, I don't know why Congress should take anything you say seriously today because the last time you were in this position, you lied and they were convicted for lying and you would have gone to jail probably forever, Uh, but you got pardoned. So she's just, she's setting the stage here for for what a piece of garbage this guy is. This is, one of, this is one of the worst human beings alive today, but because his buddy, George H.W. Bush, is even more rich and powerful than he is, he gets to hold another unelected position of power to act against the interest of the American people and innocent civilians abroad. That's who this guy is. Oh, I'm so helpless. I'm being attacked by this Somali woman. Why, why is she allowed to talk down to me and I'm not allowed to talk back? She, she's, a, she's attacking me. I feel attacked by the facts that I'm a war criminal, that I'm responsible for genocide. That's the Republican Party in a nutshell for you. Feeling attacked as someone states a concrete fact at you. On February 8th, 1982, you testified before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee about U.S. policy in El Salvador. In that hearing, you dismissed as communist propaganda report about the massacre of El Mosote, in which more than 800 civilians, including children as young as two years old, were brutally murdered by U.S. trained troops. During that massacre, some of those troops bragged about raping a 12-year-old girl before they killed them. Girls before they killed them. You later said that the U.S. policy in El Salvador was a fabulous achievement. Yes or no, do you still think so? From the day that President Duarte was elected in a free election to this day, El Salvador has been a democracy. That's a fabulous achievement. Let me clarify what this guy is saying right here. He's saying that, yes, the brutal rape and massacre of 800 innocent people at minimum, including children, is totally fine because Guatemala is a democracy now. They've been a democracy since that time that I helped that happen. (laughs) So I think that's a great achievement. I think it's a big achievement. And I'm not going to say, yes, I stand with that thing because that 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 would be the exact same thing that I'm saying now, actually. It would be as true as what I just said. It would be the exact same thing as what I just said. But, um, I can't outright say yes or no. So I'm going to squirm away. Yes or no. Do you think that massacre was a fabulous achievement that happened under our watch? That is a ridiculous question. And I yes or no. No. I, 
I will sorry, Mr. I will Chairman, take that I, as a yes. I am not going to respond to that kind of personal attack, which is not a question. Listen to this whiny little bitch. He says, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer que- a question because it's actually an attack. It's an attack. I committed genocide and I'm being attacked by a brown woman. It would it would be one thing if he would if he got indignant about it, but he he's act he's acting like she's attacking him when the truth is she she's asking I think very reasonable questions. You know, you committed genocide. Are you going to do it again? Because the American people don't want that shit. Get the fuck out of here. He's like, I'm not going to respond to attacks like this. Of course I don't. Of course I don't stand for genocide because if I said that, then I might actually go back to prison. I can't say that out loud. We obviously know that I do because I just said that I did. I said, they have democracy now. So you come to the conclusion yourself. This guy sucks. And uh, watching Ilhan Omar nail him, is, <laughs> I mean, yes it's not a no, question, he says. You support she, and then she asks again. She says, yes or no. Yes or no. That engages in war crimes, Answer the question. Crimes against humanity or genocide. Do you, you support genocide and crimes against humanity? US yes or no. Are you going to do it in Venezuela? Yes or no. El Salvador and Nicaragua. I am not going to respond he looks. To he looks around. He looks around like, can you be, can you believe? Be can you believe the, the balls so on this woman reply. trying to trying to hold an old white man accountable for his horrific actions? Doesn't she know who I am? I mean, she clearly knows who I am, and uh, that's kind of the problem. But doesn't she know who we are? Doesn't she understand who she is? I mean, look look at the way she's dressed. She's got a hijab on. She's not allowed to talk to me that way, right? Right. She's not allowed. She can't talk to me that way. Isn't that right? Isn't that how this works? This is this. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel. Why? Why? Why am I not answering questions to a white man who's not going to ask me hard questions? That's that. That's who I want asking me questions. White guy. White guy who's not going to hold me to account. I want people to ask me like how like how much money am I going to spend on like murdering children? Like how much? Like but he's not going to phrase it that way. He's going to say you know uh, how much how much aid are we going to provide to the preschool? You know. Uh, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to restructure the high school kids? You know, you get it. Now, that's a ridiculous. Look, I, look, look at how this guy squirmed. He can't fathom the idea that someone would call him out for the genocide he perpetuated. Uh, this guy is a textbook sociopath. Take that from somebody who is not a psychiatrist, who graduated barely with a degree in English, who has not read any books about being a sociopath. This guy, textbook sociopath. <laughs> He's gotten away with all of this stuff for so long, he can't even believe that someone's calling him out on it now. Uh, And then he goes on to call it a personal attack and not a question because he gets to dictate the tone and the rhythm of this line of questioning. You don't get to ask me that. I'm wagging my finger if you can't see it on the screen. Listen, dude, you don't get to decide that a question isn't a question because the answer makes you look like a bad person. (laughs) It's still a question, you don't get to determine whether or not it's a question. It's got a question mark at the end. And it's not one of those, it's not one of those, you know, texts where you meant to send an exclamation point, but it's a question mark. It's not one of those. It's an actual question. I am not going to respond to that question. You don't get that option. This isn't, that's not what this is. You are the one trying to prove your viability for this job. And if you refuse to answer a question, you don't get the fucking job. And by the way, your brutal, genocidal, lying past is exactly why you have this job to begin with. So why not just own it? 
You wouldn't be in this seat right here if John Bolton didn't remember what an absolute bloodthirsty psychopath that you've been your entire life. So, frankly speaking, you should be you should be highlighting this stuff. This is why you've been given this position. So be honest, and maybe you know you'll get through this. And by the way, I want to say you got if you haven't watched this video, you have to go watch it because she is <laughs> she's smirking the whole time. Because she knows what a badass she's being. She's like, she's watching him squirm. She's watching him get flustered. She's watching him get upset. And it's pure vindication. It's beautiful. Whether you, under your watch, a genocide will take place and you will look the other way because American interests were being upheld is a fair question. Because the American people want to know that anytime we engage a country, that we think about what our actions could be and how we believe our values are being farthered. That is my question. Will you make sure that human rights are not violated and that we uphold international and human rights I suppose there is a question in there, and the answer is that the entire thrust of American policy in Venezuela <clears throat> is to support the Venezuelan people's effort to restore democracy to their country. That's our policy. I don't think anybody disputes that. The question I had for you is that the interest, does the interest of the United States include protecting human rights? and include protecting people against genocide. That is always the position of the United States. Thank you. I yield back my time. And then he finally does, after, after she's re-clarified, I think, two different times, I suppose there's a question in there. He fails in talking down to her. He's trying to, but it's, uh, it's, it's transparent. Like, okay, little girl, I guess you stated it enough as a question, so uh, here's a bullshit lie of a response. But she keeps at it, and I really appreciate that. And she, you know, she gives him a little bit of space. He says, oh, you know, America always hopes all upholds uh, human rights in our, uh, in our efforts abroad. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, yeah, we haven't watched the news for the past 30 years, have we? No, we haven't looked at a textbook. You know, something I noticed uh, last week, I, was listen- I listened to NPR the morning after this happened, and they, co- they covered this. And they didn't play any clips from uh, Ilhan Omar's questioning, which I thought was a little bit odd, you know, because she came out, she came off so strong. They they played some other clips, and uh, there were there were a couple others who who grilled him, but nothing that was as as remarkable as this. It's almost as if because she was getting some heat from the from that APAC controversy two days before, uh, that's why NPR didn't cover it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that for certain. You know, they are currently pretending like Tulsi Gabbard, the first Hindu in Congress and one of a handful of anti-war voices, I don't know, at all in Washington. Uh, they're kind of pretending like she's not running for the Democratic nomination. You know, even even like a so-called progressive outlet like Alternet 
is running stories about how the mainstream media has has a double standard for all four of the women running. And that article made zero mention of Tulsi Gabbard in the entire thing. Ignore Tulsi at your own peril, media. Go, go for it. Keep ignoring her. Because when she shows up on the debate stage, uh, the, re- the rest of these tools are going to be exposed for what they are. It's going to be pretty obvious that she's the only one with a ra- with a with a rational with a rational foreign policy. You know, Bernie's getting better. He did have a big hand in getting us out of the conflict in Yemen. But he's you know he's as recently as a couple weeks ago with Venezuela. He's said some shit that's you know disappointing. But whatever. I really want to see you know Tulsi Gabbard on the debate stage. If nothing else, I, I would love to see her run with Bernie. Whether she's at the top of the ticket or the VP, I, I, I would uh, fully get behind either of those. There's a lot of complaining coming from establishment centrists that people are being too critical of Kamala for this and too tough on Kirsten Gillibrand for that. Uh, first of all, they're being vetted to run against Trump. Uh, and if you think he's not going to latch onto some bullshit that doesn't matter to you, you're out of your fucking mind. Get the shit out now. Do it now. That's what the primary is for. We're still, we're still a year away from the Iowa caucus. This shit can come out now. Like Bill Maher's running, running the fuck. He did a new rules about how you should stop criticizing. Stop criticizing the liberals. Shut the fuck up, Bill Maher. You have to criticize your own. If some bullshit comes out about Bernie, you got you to look into it. Make sure that it's valid and, and then adjust. You know, Tulsi's got some problematic things from her past, but so does everybody. And you, you got to get it out there. You got to fucking get past it. You can't just say, no, no, don't look at him at all. Don't look at him. And furthermore, let's do a little side by side. You know, as soon as Tulsi announced last month, all anybody could talk about was her problematic extremist statements about gay marriage and sexual identity when she was a college aged human being. Someone who's still developing their opinions, you know, people can evolve. So, so, but let's, let's, let's treat this, you know, it's a fair criticism. It's a fair criticism when somebody says something as problematic as the things that Tulsi said. It's a fair to criticize that and one that she should have to and has answered for. She's got a pro human rights voting record from her entire, from her entire tenure as, as a public servant, you know, HRC rates her very highly. Her voting record is, is solid. When it comes to uh, to human rights, to gay rights, uh, you know, while she absolutely perpetuated horrific, disgusting stereotypes and ideologies that have no place in our discourse today, she's not in Congress standing in the way of progress. She has only had a progressive record in terms of voting for human rights. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris's tenure as a DA included keeping nonviolent offenders in prison because it would disrupt prison labor, a.k.a. slave labor. She failed to prosecute Steve Mnuchin. Tulsi Gabbard is the representative from Hawaii in spite of, not because of the kinds of homophobic comments the establishment wants you to focus on. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris is California's senator because of her tenure as, as the, the DA? Was she DA or AG? I wrote AG, but I'm stupid, so I don't know. AG doesn't sound right. I think it's DA. Whatever. I'm stupid. If you take my opinion seriously, you should, because I'm a, I'm a narcissist, but you shouldn't listen to me. Who the hell am I? I'm a guy sitting on his bed in his underwear. And, you know, for a moment, let me give her, let me give Kamala Harris the benefit of the doubt 
and say she's had a change of heart on all these horrific policies she's enacted and upheld in her past. You know, she still has a much more troubled past than Tulsi Gabbard. She enacted policies. Meanwhile, Tulsi, while she said some horrific shit, she has voted in favor of the opposite of that horrific shit. So the fact that establishment voices are so disgusted anytime Tulsi's name is even brought up and can't Yaz Queen hard enough anytime you mention Kirsten or Amy or Elizabeth or Kamala is undeniable proof that they have no interest in holding a Democratic primary election. You know, they say they want someone young. They want someone who's not white. Tulsi is 37 years old. She's from Hawaii. So when you hear them whining that Bernie... Oh, Bernie, he's too old. He's too white. We got to have someone young. Nobody's younger than Tulsi Gabbard. (laughs) She's 37 years old. She is not white. And she surfs, which is pretty cool. I want a Hawaiian president who actually surfs. Barack, come on, Barry. What kind of Hawaiian are you? (laughs) Anyways, I think that's going to be the show. Is this what a podcast is? I don't know. I've been recording for an hour and 11 minutes, and I would imagine that five of them is usable. So we'll see. I'm going to chop this up. I got to be a little bit more prepared. I didn't have everything in the in the way. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're still listening, a uh, special shout out to Michael Holder for providing the, the equipment that I'm using to record this. Uh, Michael Holder, great comedian even better person. Well, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, hit me up on Patreon. I mean, I, I didn't, I don't have a Patreon, but you know, don't donate some money to, to a cause you care about. Uh, I'll probably, you know, I, I've, uh, I've donated to a lot of political campaigns recently. So, uh, if you want to, if you want to fill my bank back up too, you know, I'm on Venmo, look me up on Venmo. Um, I, you know, every podcast ends with a, with a, with a plea for money. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to be part of the status quo in some ways. Isn't that nice?